Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who gets to meet the Queen Mother tomorrow, and I am so excited. Want to take a guess? Take a guess of who the Queen Mother is? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you meeting Courtney Taylor? No. Oh, that was my first guess. Who? Jennifer Hale? I believe she's a voice actress i've heard of her before oh no it glitched no i know who that is i didn't hear what you said at all well how are you meeting her tomorrow that's super cool she's uh at emerald city comic-con so we are going to go meet her tomorrow that's super cool and i'm Vervada, the girl whose introduction to romance novels began with a retelling of the hades and persephone love story And today's interview guest has her own version that is definitely worth the read. We were extremely privileged to sit down with Carly Spade, gamer girl and a USA Today bestselling author of delicious slow burn romance novels. If you're new to the world of romance stories, which if you're listening to this, you're probably not. But if you are, there's a whole classification code for different story genres and themes, specifically regarding the romance dynamic and pace. Slow burns are a favorite of mine, and Carly's stories are full of them. Oh, and the slow burn definitely hits. Carly has been writing for as long as she can remember, and with her unique background in cybersecurity and her passion for Bioware romances, her books are focused on swoon-worthy alpha males, strong heroines, and always some fantasy. Her most recent book of Love and Forge came out last week, and she told us all about how she was heavily influenced by Cyberpunk 2077 when writing it. She also hinted at a book that she's currently writing that is inspired by Mass Effect, and we are both excited to read it when it comes out. Yes, please. (laughs) It was super cool to get to sit down with a romance-specific writer We hope you enjoy our chat with Carly, and perhaps even pick up one of her many awesome books. Let's get into the interview. If you wanted to, for our listeners, introduce yourself. Sure, I'm Carly Spade. I'm a USA Today bestselling author of romanticy, or fantasy romance, if you will. Um, And I am heavily influenced by video games for my writing, so that's why I wanted to chat with you two. (laughs) Yay, love that. Romance is such a big influence on a lot of what I read. I'm currently reading a romance novel right now, as always. Uh, And so I think it's definitely... We've had a lot of different game developers on the show before who write the romance for the games. But taking a look at how to establish a longer format romance character, it's definitely going to be an interesting take on it. Writing a full-length novel or a short story or something like that. It's definitely a different view on romances. I don't know where I'm going with this. I need more coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I wanted to talk to you because, I mean, 
I guess some people would be like, why do you have a novelist on your show when you talk about video game romances? But it's like, honestly, video game romances up until maybe the next couple of Dragon Age Mass Effect games that'll come out, we'll start to get more like visual cues of romance. But like video games, just because of CGI limitations up to this point really have been mainly through storytelling. So I thought, especially because your books are based on your love of games, that like to hear from someone who knows how to craft a love story specifically would be really cool. Because that's like (laughs) the whole point of our podcast is nerding out about the love stories. So I definitely know that you have a talent for the slow burns. So yeah, Yeah. which is kind of my favorite, actually. (laughs) And I mean, in honest, video games are the ultimate slow burn, especially if it's, uh, you know, like like something like Mass Effect, where you could carry it over all three games if you do, (laughs) Caden. And then you have those choices and you could potentially cheat on that person and what have you. And there's consequences and... I'm a huge happily ever after person. I anything I write will not not have a happily ever after. That's just me. I just like to, you know, have everything be hunky dory. <laughs> and I do not. I can't stand it. Like uh, even a Mass Effect, I was like, no, I can't cheat on it on whoever I pick. I can't do it. <laughs> have you played Dragon Age? <laughs> oh yes, 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 I have. Because it's hard to get a happily ever after in those games. It is. It is. But um, I mean, obviously, uh, no, I mean. Is it a spoiler at this point with how long it's been out? But <laughs> spoiler alert. <out. laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, you're, if anything, your arm still gets cut off, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's always um. But I, I actually, I was very Colin main because um, he definitely reminds me um a bit of Garrus, to be quite honest with you. Um, obviously, I know they're completely different types of characters, but just the way that he presents himself, and they even joke about calibrations. Um. <laughs> But I also recently, I put my foot down and said, I'm going to do Blackwall. And it was actually, um, Collins is awesome, but that Blackwall was a very interesting take on things. And I um, I really enjoyed that storyline because of the fact that, you know, it's about forgiveness and seeing past things. And um, his story is pretty, it's actually very deep. Collins is fun and he's sweet and romantic. And obviously he's got the, um, it escapes me right now, the name of that stuff that he gets addicted to. Lyrium. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Red Yeah, so that whole storyline with there too um, was kind of was very deep. But that's why I have tried so many times to do a Caden full playthrough, and I always I cannot help it when Gary starts talking about his reach and her flexibility, and I just can't. I just can't. I'm like, no, I've got to romance Garris. But I'm putting my foot down because I want to see the storyline with Caden. I want to experience it because I think that that is also a really, um, just like Blackwall, it has a very deeper um, undertone with it, again, about him not being able to trust her. And I do kind of get it, even though it pisses me off, but I, I get it that it's hard to trust someone when you're when they've been refabricated by this, this team of people that you kind of see as your enemy. So I, yeah, I've played Mass Effect many times <laughs> i can't even tell you how many times i've played at this point um dragon age i think i've played through two and a half times but i i'm a huge bioware nerd I, they ruined me for all of their rpgs i'm going to be honest with you because um yep. i when you play an rpg i want to be able to experience a romance like that so that that in depth and that you know i mean the only one that even comes a little bit close is cd project red with the witcher and cyberpunk but they're still not as involved as what Bioware does. And so even as a writer, I, I am hooked on everything. I want to hear every little piece of dialogue. I will stand in that elevator and listen to the entire conversations. I want, I'll bring people on my team that I don't even necessarily want to fight with, but just because I want to hear the dialogue. Um, they're so good with that. And it's, um, it's extremely inspiring for me as a writer to hear all that stuff. That is exactly how I play. I'm like, screw tactics. I need to hear the banter that I want to hear. (laughs) But um, you brought up cyberpunk. And I know that you have a new book coming out. And I think you mentioned that it has cyberpunk tendencies and themes going on in it. What about love stories specifically makes you want to write them? Like, why, why did you choose that kind of story over whatever other kind of story exists? And then two, why a cyberpunk world to write i'm assuming it's also a love story that that book is yeah so um ever since i was a kid writing anything i started off with fan fiction um i still write fan fiction too i I, it's it's a 
relaxing exercise to be able to write just something that I don't have to feel pressured in to, you know, meeting readers' expectations. It's just fun. They're already established characters for the most part. Um, and I, I did a Hades and Megara one when I when I brought out my Hades book to kind of coincide with that. Disney's Hades, though, not mine. Um, and then I actually, I'm still working on it, but I started a Johnny Silverhand romance because I wanted to see it in the game. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there's not, there's not enough choices for me. And I was like, why couldn't Johnny Silverhand be a choice? And don't tell me Keanu Reeves wouldn't have given you the okay. <laughs> oh, he totally would um, have. <laughs> he he did in an interview. He, like, loves how many people want to bang his avatar in Cyberpunk. <laughs> And I'm like, please, that's all I wanted. Like, the end of the game was us separating and me romancing him. Exactly, exactly. So I took it upon myself, and yeah, I've been writing fan fiction of it, and it's so much fun. Um, but yeah, so I started off with fan fiction, and anything that I've ever done, it's just always revolved around romance. And I grew up loving the 90s and early 2000s rom-com movies, like How's the Guy in 10 Days? Someone Like You, um, 10 Things I Hate About You, movies like that. I grew up on those and I absolutely loved them. And I just, I liked how good they made me feel. And, you know, they're always, yeah, they can be predictable. They have tropes, but I am, I just, that's my commitment. I eat all that stuff up. And if it's enemies to lovers trope, oh, I'm there. <laughs> 100%. But so I've always done that. And it's just, and I, I, I have learned how to hone the craft of, of romance writing. Um, it is, you know, there is certain tactics that you do have to take with it to write it well, especially if you do a slow burn. The tension is a huge part of it. Um, and it can be written poorly. Um, I mean, I have, you know, written, you know, read some things that are better than others, but it does take uh, finesse and time and, and writing over and over and over to really get that niche down. And when I came up with this concept, so it is, it's Greek mythology mixed with cyberpunk. So it's like a cyberpunk fantasy romance with Hephaestus and Aphrodite. And I've always wanted to see those two have a happily ever after. I never really dug on her sleeping with her brother and cheating on him. And <laughs> um, in Greek tragedy, I, I don't deal in tragedy. And I, there might be some tragic things that happen, but at the end of the day, everybody gets a happily ever after. Maybe not the villain, but the good guys do. So I, I've always wanted to see them happy together. And so I basically, my tagline for that is, is that it defies myth, but answers true love's call because I still think those two are a great couple. Just the idea of inner versus outer beauty and being able to see you know, beyond that in each person. Um, and I've always wanted to explore that with those two. So, and why cyberpunk? Uh, well, four years ago, I came up with the concept of Hephaestus being a supernatural portal jumping bounty hunter of sorts I, I sent an email to myself with the idea i said i don't know if right now is the, the time for this because i i don't know if people will, will receive this very well because it's kind of out there but then cyberpunk 2077 came out and i said thank you <laughs> because they kind of paved the way for people being more open-minded to this this subgenre of sci-fi is kind of what i see it as um it's been around forever um, if anybody's seen uh, let's, uh, Blade Runner or Fifth Element, those are both considered cyberpunk, but I just don't think people were familiar with that phrase for that genre. And so now that video game coming out and it be getting such hype and then Edge Runners, the anime cartoon coming out and everybody's just, you know, they want more cyberpunk. So I think now is the time. And I, you know, I do mix in heavy romance and it also has Greek mythology and it also has magic and fantasy all mixed into this cyberpunk environment that I've created. And you better believe I played the crap out of that video game while I was writing this because um, I would even just spend hours driving around, getting out, looking at the details of the buildings and the people and the, just everything. So for that, I do really have to um, give props to CD Projekt Red because the detail in that game is insane. Um, and I just love looking at it all. Um, and it definitely inspired me greatly for, for my writing. I try to play a video game that's coinciding with what I'm writing at the time. And it, it helps me kind of just really get in the environment around writing because especially in that type of thing, you, you get to walk around and be in it, you know? And so I think that people who necessarily don't play video games, but also read, you're missing a lot because there's a lot to be said about playing a video game and reading a book. They kind of go ahead and hand to me, honestly. So, 
Oh, I absolutely agree. And my other show that I do is the cyberpunk lore cast. So being in the world of cyberpunk is something that I would absolutely love to do. So I think that reading this when it comes out, I'll definitely be on the list of your readers. Um, especially because I grew up watching Xena Warrior Princess. So I... <laughs> I am all here for Greek mythology. I am all here for it. Uh, Aphrodite was one of my favorites, and I would like her to end up with her husband. Like, come on. <laughs> I understand that Ares is hot. I get that. But you're already yeah. married, honey. You're already married. I love the uh, Persephone Hades retelling. Don't get me wrong, but like, I think it'll be really cool to hear from some of the others as well. And I... I think that my first thing that got me back into like mythology fiction was Laura Olympus. Did you ever read Laura Olympus? Oh, yes. it's so yes. good. And yeah, and that was once I read that, I was like, I need more of this. And that's how I discovered your book the first time. And I just read any kind of, because <laughs> I'm so lame, like any romance book I could find on Amazon. And they're so. It's just you could do anything with them. I guess people might think you have to stick to fantasy because mythology and fantasy seem to go together. But like they were the beliefs of those people at that time. And they could come in. I think it's really cool when they come into present day or the future. Because theoretically, if they exist, they then they'll exist now, too. So I think it's really cool to see how you would take those characters and fit them into modern day. I like how they're always rich because they've had all this time to <laughs> accumulate money. That makes it fun, too, for me, being a poor person, fantasizing about being rich. <laughs> yeah, and uh, interesting that you brought up Xena. Yeah, I grew up on her days of Xena as well. Huge, huge obsessive fan. <laughs> and uh, I remember plain as day the first episode where Hephaestus was on Hercules and Aphrodite was in this whole thing of wanting to fight people like Hercules does. And she even dressed up like Hercules. And... I didn't realize how much I subconsciously remembered from that episode because I purposely didn't watch it because I too, Aphrodite is one of my favorite characters on there. And I love the way that Alex Tidings played her. She's, she is Aphrodite to me. I can't see anybody else as her. And I even, uh, as I was writing my own book, I was picturing her, but I was like, I cannot just write her in a book I'm trying to sell. <laughs> this isn't fan fiction. So I had to really dig deep and try to you know, change her up, obviously, a bit. But that episode with that specific actor that played Hephaestus, it was always my favorite. And he, he was, that was the only episode he played him. And every, every other episode had a different person playing. I think he actually went through four different actors, I think, something like that. Um, but that particular episode where, and I didn't even remember that he puts her in handcuffs to keep her from moving because he has something that he needs to tell her. I can't remember the exact details. And she makes a joke about him not, not knowing that he was kinky. <laughs> And uh, that definitely is in my book. <laughs> so and I didn't even remember that until I watched it later. I was like, huh, I just really have that subconsciously back in my head somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I love Hercules and Xena. And you can definitely tell there's some influence in my, my Greek books from them because I think they did it so incredibly well. Agreed. Uh, every couple of years, I do a full Xena rewatch. So, I, yeah, <laughs> I understand that one when it comes to changing up your characters so that way it's not you have like a baseline like we all know who Aphrodite is she's the goddess of love and motherhood and fertility within Greek mythology but how do you take a character like that and transform her update her to something that would be relevant to today so I went the route of and I honestly kind of took this a little bit from myself too um that when I was younger, it's it's more of a thing now, like to, to come out and say, yeah, I'm a complete nerd now is everybody's all like, awesome, you know, fist bump. It's, but back back then, <laughs> it wasn't as well received. You get, you know, as, as a female, you get kind of questionable reactions to that. So half the time I was afraid to even admit that I was such a big nerd. And um, so I kind of went that route with her, um, that she is a complete closet, huge nerd, and she collects toys, she plays tabletop games, like all this stuff, and she keeps it all hidden. And because she's a goddess, she can just, you know, wave her hand and it'll appear and she can have her, her stuff there. But any other time she has it cloaked so that nobody else can see it. And Hephaestus is also a nerd, but he's not as closet, he's not closeted about it. He, he puts together Legos because he likes to tinker with things. 
Um, he collects, you know, retro uh, gaming consoles and keeps them on his wall and cubicles. And um, he he loves Mario. That's one of his biggest things. Like he's a nerd too. So when she sees this and realizes that she gradually starts to come out of her shell, and he receives it extremely, he gets turned on by it. She's like, oh, okay. So this is he likes this. Um, and so that's kind of the, the the path I went with her. Is she feels like she has to play this part as the goddess of love. She has to be pretty and pristine at all times and be you know obviously a really good lover you know nothing else will do like everything um she has this sex that she you know role that she has to play and she feels like that's just been her entire life and that's what she's had to do but the two of them when they come together and they finally get their heads out of their butts so to speak (laughs) um they help each other come into their own and be themselves and realize that they accept each other and they always have they just uh, this took centuries to admit it because they were both afraid of rejection. So that's my whole exploration with that and how I kind of made her different. There is definitely still some shades and anybody who's familiar with the Aphrodite from Xena and Hercules will see it. And that's fine. That's my homage because that is, Xena and Hercules is the whole reason I honestly got into Greek mythology. So I definitely give them nods and anybody who's familiar will definitely see them. Some are more subtle than others, um, but they're definitely there. That's awesome. I guess for you uh, to go back to games and your characters, when you are writing a story, because the way that stories are told in video games are different, but they're kind of similar in the fact that like you usually in a book, you're from one point of view, like you are in a game. So you can kind of tell stories in a similar way. But is there ever like, oh, when I played Mass Effect and I romanced Garrus, like I really wanted to craft a love story about someone who is your right-hand man, like, or, you know what I mean? Like the mentor-mentee kind of thing that they got going on versus just coming together or enemies to lovers. Because, I mean, we we all know the standard romance novel tropes, but have video game love stories ever influenced how you've crafted your romance? Definitely. Mass Effect, specifically, this book is not out yet. And actually, I'm working on revisions for it currently because I, I, I nabbed a literary agent a few months ago. Um, and I, I, I've held this one back specifically because I felt that it would serve better in a traditionally published um, realm versus me publishing it myself. And Mass Effect is 100% one of the the comparison titles that I have given her to use because I think it was my when Legendary Edition came out and I went through and played the entire thing, obviously. <laughs> From, uh, from one to three. And as I was playing, I just started saying to myself, I really want a world and story that really revolves around these different species coming together with a common goal and found family and yeah, romance with a, a human and a hero that's definitely not human at all. And it doesn't matter because you know, there's so much more going on in the world. Why are we going to worry about the fact there are two different species? And I wanted to create this whole thing. And so as I played, I just kept getting inspiration and I created a whole list of characters. And I have been working on that storyline for the past mm, almost four years now and revising, revising. And I'm crossing my fingers now that I've written so many more books since then that this is the one the final one but uh, yeah i've always loved that that romance storyline between you know garris and, and femship I, I i just could never get enough of it and i just i really like the idea that so many people are you know and i didn't realize that when i first played it and i picked him i felt like does anybody else actually romance him i had no idea but it then turns out he's one of the most popular characters the romance and uh, I was just, I was astonished at how many other, you know, people liked that storyline. And so um, I decided that I wanted to have something like that, too. And, and again, it's, it's um, I, don't, I didn't go the route of them being friends because I can't, I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't help it. They, they're, <laughs> I actually took a little bit from Dragon Age, too, of um, how the sorcerers and the, uh, and I can't think of names today. Templars, thank you. Yeah, I could not think of it for the life of me. I swear I play them. I'm just words are escaping me. Uh, I think I need more coffee too. <laughs> um, but um, the whole animosity between the Templars and and the the sorcerers, I I I liked that, and I liked that if you were that and you're romancing Colin, it changed the dialogue because there would be some 
mm, some stuff there because you know of where they came from but again they both put it aside because they're like there's so much bigger things going on here than us worrying about our backgrounds and where we came from and so i kind of took i like that aspect and i liked the you know the interspecies relationship aspect and um so i kind of took it's like my love letter to to bioware <laughs> um and then adding my own stuff because there's a kind of a guardians of the galaxy feel to it too but uh, yeah it's what i use the guardians of the galaxy and mass effect is what i usually use to, to as comparison titles for it but that one is definitely you can tell that i, I played video games and that one uh is coming to the forefront um but the of love and forge too it's uh even the action sequences i've had many readers tell me that my action sequences are so you know detailed and in-depth and they can envision everything and i said well let's honestly if you play video games you're going to get that uh first-hand perspective of you know, like assassin's creed odyssey for instance I, I played that one through while i was writing aries and yes i thought i thought and i was taking note of all the different things they were doing the different movements and the and everything i mean i'm always i have a notebook by me all the time jotting stuff down when i'm playing games because i think it really does lend itself into to writing writing for video games writing for books it's you know I've never honestly, and you guys have talked to, you know, people that write romance for the video games, which I, I've watched some videos about people talking about it, but I'm sure it's it's different, but yet not, I would think, because at the end of the day, there still has to be a storyline um, just kind of maybe planned out in a different way. Is that is that on point there? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I also think the hugest, mainest difference is the fact that any video game romance has to go through so many people whereas for you you have the luxury of just doing it all on your own it's up to you you the final say which is why bioware is so amazing to me from all the reasons but also just the fact that they can collaborate that well to have it come through that cohesively and believable because i think that's something and that's something i noticed when i was reading your books like you can tell i think that you play games if this i don't know if this is going to make sense to people who don't play video games but like when I'm reading them, it's like, you don't skip over the action, like what you were just talking about. But you also like, it doesn't feel so fast. And it's kind of like how in a video game, because you have all these other missions you have to do, you have all this other, these other characters to interact with as the player, but then you also have your romance line of quest and all that. And in and, and books, because I feel like, especially romance novels, they're, the whole point of the story is the love story versus in games is usually a sideline quests, right? But for you, it, it it still feels like there is more going on besides just the romance. And the romance is like the end goal, but it, you don't rush through stuff, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if I'm being coherent, but like it just it just makes it a lot better for me because there's so many times where I've, I've read a lot of romance novels, like, and there's just a lot of times where either it just, it's too fast that I don't believe it, especially when stories involve people who haven't met before, like they didn't, pri- they have no prior knowledge and especially with the enemies to lovers ones, I feel like when they hit, they are so good. But when two chapters back, you guys were in each other's faces screaming and now like, I don't know. So I think that is also a good thing about how a video game tells a story and how you're telling a story because it does feel like enough's gone on, but you didn't skip over it. Because for me, it's like if there's like, oh, and then two years have passed. Like what happened in those two years? You know, like I need a little montage or something. So I think you do a good job of doing that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I um, And I, I do think where the whole even contemporary mythos series and everything came about was because I, I've read a lot of contemporary romance novels. I love them. I still read them. I, I love them. And I did write one straight contemporary romance and I like it. And I obviously, I mean, I'm, I like all my stuff, but I miss the magic i i just i cannot write something i realized and truly truly enjoy and truly put everything into it if i don't have fantasy or something i just need i need it and that also because you're right i like if i'm reading something and it doesn't have romance i i I will admit i kind of lose interest a little bit i need it like i crave it i need it and it doesn't have to be the focal point. It can be something going on in the background, but I just, it keeps me interested. And it's just how I am. And, you know, so when I'm writing, I do like to have, I, I don't necessarily don't need it to be, this is the 100% focus. It's the end game. 
it's there, but I like that there when there's other stuff going on. And that's why I think even with a love and forge, obviously the whole point is the two of them ending up together. But I also brought in, you know, Aries and Orion in that book too. They've got, you know, they they've got their little family. They it's this, this ensemble cast. And I like when there is other characters that may also be exploring something in the background too, aside from the two main people. And um, again, I think that does come from from video games and the, the RPGs and stuff that I've played that have that. Because, you, yeah, you get side quests. And I do. I, in my books, I will have what we call the main quest. And then I always have these side quests that they go off on. And thing constantly throwing obstacles in their way to keep them from getting to that end game. I just, I, I love making it extremely difficult for them. Um, and they have to work for it. And I think that, you know, again, with Bioware and how even just actual side quests um and and working your way up to that and you know actually having to to take the initiative to do certain things to get them loyal to get them to the point of um, you have to make the right dialogue choices if you do oh well obviously we all know about saving like crazy so that we can go back and make the right choice if we didn't but but in like a book though um i get to decide if no they made the wrong choice so now they're going to pay the consequence for it but yeah, I definitely, um, I see, I do get what you're saying, and I do 100% do that with my books, for sure. The two that I always think of, of like, if you really, really like Twilight, I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of shame it a little bit right now. <laughs> not to shame Twilight. I, I'm not a huge fan. Like, But it's one example when I think of like, kind of rushing to the romance and then the whole point of the story is the romance which is something for a lot of people a lot of people really like it it just wasn't my cup of tea it's like all the conflict in those books revolve around Belle and Edward's romance right or like lack thereof or trying to get back together or whatever then like a, the story that I really like to compare it to would be like Sarah J Moss's Court of Thorns and Roses series there is wonderful fantastical like fantasy elements in there just like in Twilight and there's a huge romance in there but the conflict comes from outside of them a lot of the time they have inner conflict too but it's not the whole point of the story and it doesn't feel so rushed either those are my like one end of the scale to the other end of like my, i much prefer when it's there's also something else going on and i love when i get to see the couple work together to overcome it that's one of my favorite things it's what i want to see in real life for people you know that's what I love about games and books and all this fantasy. I, I'm the same way. Like, I need fantasy element. I don't want to read that much stuff. Actually, when I was reading your Hades book, what it made me think of towards the end, it, did you ever watch the show Lucifer? Oh, yeah. Uh, I loved it because it reminded me of Chloe and Lucifer's relationship. And I was like, see, now this is the good shit right here. <laughs> like, the, that that was a good way to how to end a story. So much conflict and then they happily ever after. It was awesome. I'm rambling. I'm off, I'm fangirling yeah. right now about love stories. <laughs> no, I fangirl away because I, I mean, that's, uh, I, yeah, I, I, me too. Like I said, I, I, with video games and anything now, I'm, I'm ruined because I'm like, oh, there's not a romance to, mm. I mean, I'll still play it, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, like, yeah, for instance, I, I mentioned Assassin's Creed. I enjoy playing the Assassin's Creed games. I, although I, I play Odyssey and Valhalla, gonna be honest. Um, I'm going to play Black Flag. I waited purposely because I'm gonna be writing a pirate fantasy next. And uh, again, I need, I need to surround myself and that has been rated one of the best pirate games. So I will be playing that one. Um, but yeah, Odyssey and Valhalla, um, I love them. They're fun. But again, yes, did I wish that either the, the romances that you have options for were a little bit more involved? Yes, um, they're there, but they're definitely not, you know, Bioware, <laughs> you know, tier. Um, even Cyberpunk, do you have romance options? Yes, limited. Are there consequences if you sleep with both romance options? Nope, they don't even, even, they just graze right over it. So yeah, and I, I mean, it's, I like that it's in there, but clearly they're just Bioware has their their things, and so I, um, I, I, my my husband makes fun of me all the time because I have so many games that I want to play, but I keep going back. I was like, maybe I should do another Mass Effect playthrough, and he said, play Assassin's Creed first. I was like, fine. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you two have that problem, but I do. I keep wanting to go back and replay Bioware games over and over because I just can't get enough of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. It helps that there's always something new to discover. Like these games, the most recent Mass Effect, well, not counting Andromeda, 
2012. And I literally, we just did Ashley's episode last night for Mass Effect 3. And I found out so many new things. I've never romanced Ashley. So that's, I guess, a big hang up some people have with romances and games is that you don't get to know the whole character unless you romance them. And some of the early Bioware games kind of have that problem where it's like they didn't have as much dialogue or interactions unless you were romancing them. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll just romance them then. <laughs> like, add more romance, add more interaction, period. Because I like friendships too. All of that. Romance and just platonic love. I want more of that. And I think Bioware's always, always done the best with that. I feel like Bioware games are my palate cleanser. Like, I'll go and I'll play a different game. You know, I I recently played um, Assassin's Creed Origins. I am almost done with the main plot line on Fallout 4. And I've played a whole bunch of little indie games in between. But, like, whenever I finish a game, I get to reward myself by jumping back into Mass Effect for a little while. Yeah. I mean, I have strategic saves is what I call them for Mass Effect. And sometimes like, you know, I really want to see the tango scene today. So I'll like load up that save and just watch it because I'm apparently insane. I don't know. Um, No, I do the same. I do the exact same thing because I I did a when I again, when I was trying to do a full blown Caden romance, I I have I have a save right there. So if I really wanted to go back and push through, I can do it because I stay. I was like, okay, this is the end all be all with Garrus. And if I save right before this, I know that I can go back and not uh, (laughs) say peace out, Caden. Sorry. But I actually, for the first time, have you either of you ever done a male set playthrough or you just done? Oh, yeah. No, I play yeah. male. Okay. So I did it for the first time when I did the Legendary Edition. I, well, I did Femme Shep playthrough and then I went back and did it all over again. And I said, you know what? I'm doing male Shep because I also want to hear Mark Mears' uh, voice work because he's amazing. And I could not romance Gary, so I had no choice. <laughs> I did a renegade too because I've never done all not full. I probably did maybe 80, 20. Um, but that was the most renegade I've ever done. And it was so freaking fun. Just to just not give a crap and have him say all the mean stuff, except for um, I, I definitely couldn't be mean to the Krogan. I wanted them on my side. Oh um, yeah. But I I absolutely loved it because it was so it was different. I mean, I was I was actually engaged because it, he just, you know, it's a different, you know, Jennifer Hale, oh my gosh, love her to death. But Mark Muir, too, did an amazing job. And I got to hear, you know, his performance. And I was like, this is really good. And oh, my gosh, his voice. You know, like, <laughs> and so I had a lot of fun with that, too. Just being able to be a male chef, which I had never done. And I romanced Jack because it just made sense with him being more, more renegade, too, for sure. Um, but I want to go back and do another male one, Paragon, and do Tally because she's adorable, and I kind of want to see that play out too. I've never, I've never seen it. I've seen clips, obviously, but I've never actually experienced it full blown. So I got a lot of work. I want to do a Caden one, and I want to do Tally. So we'll see. <laughs> but it just takes so long to get through all three games. Yeah. It's a huge commitment. So, and I, I like to have the for the first time too with the male chef. I did what they call the perfect ending. And man, is that work <laughs> to oh, yeah. get to be able to get that. You have to do virtually everything and make all the right choices. And I had a, like a, a printout. Okay, I did that. I did that. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but I did it. So. <laughs> no, I think bro chef runs are, are fun to me, too, because it is a complete, it's almost like a brand new game. Like the way that Mark Mayer delivers lines is different than Jennifer Hale, obviously. But then there's also mm-hmm. the aspect that even the the player, the NPCs around you react to you differently because you're a man. You know, Harkin doesn't tell you that you look like a sweet piece of ass. The Batarian doesn't tell you that the stripper auditions are in a different room. But then you also don't get the conversation with Eve Bakara in Mass Effect 3 talking about how, you know, I'm so happy that uh, that humans will give this opportunity to women also. Like, you are on equal ground and equal footing. Brochette players don't get to hear that conversation because they're locked mm-hmm. out of it because you're not playing as a female shepherd. And so it's just like, there are so many little ways that have such a big impact based on who you're playing as. Yeah. All hail Bioware. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, definitely. But I'll just say, even uh, uh, for me, I, I wanted to play the, the bro ship too, because 
when I wrote Zeus, which is the last book in the, the Contemporary Mythos series, that was the first time I did a full-blown dual POV where I actually had, um, you know, male perspective, female perspective back and forth. And I hesitated to do that because I just, I didn't know, I didn't know how to do it. I was like, I don't really know if I can get my brain in that mindset, especially of somebody like Zeus, who, you know, is an alpha hole, you know, <laughs> um, mentality, but then he ends up being having this sweet, you know, ex interior that he never really shows and blah, blah, blah. But I, I really need to work my way into it. And honestly, playing as brochet helped a little bit because i mean i am not playing as a woman i'm playing as a guy and i don't have really you know a choice in the matter if i wanted to say something that maybe femship has had as an option but even if it's the same it he delivers it differently so it's just um it, it was nice even being able to get in that mentality and um just have things from the different perspective because i hardly ever play as a guy, I also, The Witcher is another one. The Witcher 3, I go back to a lot if I want to get into a guy's mindset because Geralt is uh, <laughs> quite uh, quite the guy. Um, so I will purposely do that too. But now I can't get enough of it. Now I'm, I'm dual POV all the way. I want to do it all the time because it's so much fun to flip back between the two personalities. And I think I finally found it. But I will say, I, I, I almost wish there was times too that um, like other characters, other side characters, that we could get their perspectives of things too. Like I would love if there was even just a DLC where you get to play as Garrus and get to be like, you get to hear everything that he's thinking or or Caden or any of them, just being able to see perspectives from the other the other characters and maybe you even interact with Shepard, but as that other character so you can actually see what are they thinking. Because that's something I've always really thought about, too, while playing. Like, what are they thinking right now? <laughs> I need that in my life right mm -hmm. now. You right? said that, and I had this whole, like, imagery in my head of, like, a Garrus DLC. I'm like, okay, I really want that now. So many fanfic possibilities just right there. You're always from the most important point of view in the story. And I think it would be cool to have those little asides with just another character you would kind of get a little bit, and this is another thing that I love that Bioware does with the party banter. Like when you walk up and hear them talking to each other and maybe you're not necessarily, you're not part of the conversation, but it's like a little peek into how they think. Dragon Age 2 has some of the best party banter, but uh, the overall they all have pretty great banter. So I I just need more of that. Please and thank you. <laughs> Inquisition has really good banter also. It just doesn't happen often enough for my liking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be running around the hinterlands for like three hours and then you finally hear them say something again. And I'm just like, please talk more. <laughs> it's so true. I actually, that is one thing I will say that I liked about romancing Blackwall instead of Colin because you don't, you don't have Colin and you can't have him in your party. So you kind of really miss out on all that extra little dialogue. And I, um, I even purposely, when I said, okay, I'm doing Blackwall and I'm going to make her a human warrior. And she, they're, they're going to be this power couple that fights together. And I had this whole thing in my head and, um, and I loved having Sarah there all the time because the, the dialogue between her and Blackwall is just absolute gold. And I, I had heard people say about it, and I purposely was trying not to see what the dialogue was because I wanted to be surprised. And um, yeah, I don't regret a thing. Just, those two were in my party all the time. I didn't care if we died. It's fine because I just want to hear the dialogue. <laughs> um, but I agree. The, the banter, I yeah, they are so... Again, banter um, is... I, I love dialogue. And I think I even come from reading comic books too. And so obviously we all know comic books are pretty much nothing but dialogue and pictures. Um, it's, and of course, some action sounds, words, and everything like that. But I, I think somebody actually called me the banter queen or something like that at one point, or reader. But I, I'm ecstatic to hear that people like my dialogue and they actually think it's it's witty banter because I will come up with stuff and put it in there, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, that that sounded like it was funny. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but for people to actually say that they enjoy the banter is a highlight for me as an author because that is one of my favorite things ever. In, in video games, books, I don't care what it is, um, I'm there for the banter and Bioware delivers all the time. And I'm really looking forward to uh, Dreadwolf because it's finally some new Bioware stuff. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, yes. As a soulless man, sir, I am looking forward to Dreadwolf. <laughs> 
See, that's me. It's like, I, I love a happy ending, but I never, ever get them. I always pick the ones, except for Alistair and Dragon Age Origins. And Garrus, I guess you get kind of a happy. It's just hard to think you get a happy ending with the way Mass Effect 3 ends. But we got as happy of an ending as we could have. Then my sister, I have a twin sister, and she played Dragon Age Inquisition and Romance Cullen. And when we first played it back in 2014, she like messaged me, hey, I finished. Oh, I mean, Cullen, we got married and we got a dog. And I was like, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> my boyfriend broke up with me and then he's the villain. So <laughs> great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for you, Solus Romancer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. ooh, ouch. <laughs> I know. One of our narrative designer friends of the pod, Mary Kenny, we had this, she came on our patron chat for January and we talked about, do you prefer Happily Ever After or Starcross Lovers? And both she and I were the only ones who chose Starcross Lovers. Like, it's so painful, but so good. I don't know. No, like I Thane. completely get it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did do a playthrough with him. I did just because I wanted to experience it. But again, I did a, I did a strategic save. And as soon as I knew that all that stuff, I was like, okay, yeah, I know what's going to happen. So now I'm going to go back and get Garrus again. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I um, I get that though, what you're saying about Starcross lovers. I do. I um, For me as a writer, I just I have such a hard time writing tragedy. I really do. Like I... I I can give them all kinds of challenges and give them tragic things that happen and pull and give them reasons to get pulled apart and they have to find their way back to each other. And I can do all of that. But at the end of the day, I need them to be happy. Like I can't, and I, I have a really hard time killing off characters, really hard time. Um, I've contemplated it, but I'm like, oh man, I don't even know if I can. <laughs> it's so hard. Like even just thinking, um, about um more like more i i i'm still like it traumatized me <laughs> um you know I, I can't even imagine uh writing that i would be like crying as i'm writing I'm, like i can't do it backspace backspace you know <laughs> yes oh my gosh yeah and no matter how many times it happens i cry every time oh, yeah. I, I know it's coming i know it's coming it's just mm -hmm. it's just like oh my gosh this is so sad <laughs> I think I cry more knowing it's coming, you know? <laughs> I could make myself cry thinking about those moments too hard. You know, <laughs> I would be too tempted to have a uh, unexplainable resurrection. Like, oh, they're just kidding. They're not actually dead. You know, <laughs> I could never. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm not a writer, Jen. <laughs> I want it. I want to be. I just write a script every week. That's my, my compromise. <laughs> We do. We but, write. Yeah. We write every week, and normally, mm -hmm. you know, we end on happy. Whether yeah. it's the player gets to be happy, or the character gets to be happy, or we get to be happy. <laughs> Everybody's mm -hmm. happy. I like that your stories are, are all happy endings. It's very satisfying for me because I'm obviously not used to it as a game romancer with my romances. <laughs> I think I do like them lately, anyway, because the world is so dark sometimes, and. So quarantine and all that i'm like i need happy endings i need to have an escape from the bad times or some good times so i like that yeah. for sure i have to ask uh especially because we yeah. keep saying the word happy ending how happy ending does your writing get like are we like how much <laughs> what level of smut am i gonna be walking into on these so um, the Mythos series, it varies. You can actually tell um, <laughs> the more confident I got, honestly, it kind of just, each book gets a little bit more and a little bit more. And Zeus, for sure, of those six, has the most. And it had to, because it was like, I have it's to Zeus. just get, get out of my it's head Zeus. because it's Zeus. <laughs> um, and I also had to, you know, because my parents and my mother-in-law, um, they all read my book. Um, but I have just, I had to have the conversation of, I love that you guys support me and I want you to continue to support me, but let's just, please do me a favor and let's not talk about those scenes. I don't even want to know what you read those scenes. I don't need to know. I'd be not going to talk about it because I need to be able to have a clear mindset that not thinking about them reading these scenes and just do whatever I want to do. I will have a threshold. I'm never going to dive into erotica type territory. Um, but uh, love and forge definitely has what when they get there oh they it's it's it gets hot um, <laughs> um i definitely give you a reward for 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 duking it out for the slow slow burn that it is despite the fact that they know each other for a long time 
And yes, the it's I call it a space fantasy because it's not it's it's sci-fi, but it's got magic in it too. So the one I was talking about that has the interspecies relationship and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yes, there will be a scene. And that's something that I still to this day I'm like, why the crap could they not do something with Garrus when they did it with what's his face and Andromeda? I'm just saying, like, there's no reason why they couldn't have they just did a little headbutt, which is adorable. But I, you know, I felt a little let down. <laughs> I wanted a little bit more. I was curious. <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely not not doing fade to black for my nine 100%. It's going to be a little awkward, but then it's going to get hot. So but it, it's going to be awkward because they were like, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> but there is going to be no more than giving her advice or anything like that. You're just going to kind of have to figure stuff out on your own. <laughs> I kind of like that, though. I think that's cute because it, it shows like the commitment and actual trust between the two of them or however many are involved. But like that's something I feel like they could have maybe I think they did a little bit with Andromeda with Jal, but I think they they could have maybe in future games with interspecies relationships maybe expand on that a little bit and kind of highlight how they're like, oh, I don't know where to put what or like what how do we fit? <laughs> but that might yeah. be interesting because like you know maybe we get from between like porn and like Hollywood and all these things, maybe we get the wrong idea of like how, oh, sex just happens. It's very romantic or it's very lustful and there's beautiful choir music playing in the background <laughs> or, you know, like with Alistair in a tent, for instance. Like, I mean, I think it'd be funny to show a little bit of like a silly moment or something more like, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your tail or whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Ironically, my guy has a tail, too, so it's funny you say that. Yeah, I definitely, I wanted a tail because I've always liked the idea of a tail having kind of a mind of its own, and it kind of gives him away. So you, if you really pay attention, I give cues all the time of what his tail is doing at the time. Um, and, you know, it, it, it does something different when he's mad. It does something different when he's turned on. It does something different when he's, you know, um, happy. It does different little swishes and things and um it really does sometimes have a mind of its own it just starts doing its own thing and he's kind of like stop it you know like you're giving me away <laughs> i like that i like yeah. that too many yeah. too many of these these fantastical men in these books have wings i'm ready for some tales <laughs> <laughs> yes agreed and I, I i hey i'm not gonna hate on Faye, but um i've i've had my fill let's say i'm ready to move oh on my to gosh. <laughs> i agree see i do love a of thrones roses i know i brought it up but like that's the only one when I started reading a lot of romance novels, I feel like every single one was about a fae prince. And my family is from Scotland and Ireland. So I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going to be talking to them. I'm not going to follow the fairy lights. <laughs> no one does that. <laughs> I'm like, no. But it was so it was hard for me at first to be like, yes, let me romance the fae prince and eat the food and be sucked into Tirnanog and never be seen again. Like, no, that's not how it goes in these books. But like when I was a younger kid, it was like elves, like token elves. Everyone was like, mm -hmm. yes, give me Legolas. And it slowly became fae princes. And I don't know where we're going next. I, I'm ready for some aliens. I don't know. Some, some monsters, I guess. Like, but not vampires. I'm done with them. And werewolves. No, I'm done with shifters. Done with vampires too. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I've been reacting to like a whole bunch of stuff that you said. But only in my head, because when you were talking about, like, the Alistair tent scene and the choirs going off, I'm like, and I wanted to see the scene of me swinging from the chandelier with Iron Bull. Like, that's the one that I wanted to see that never happened, right? And then now we're talking about, like, no more vampires, no more werewolves, no more shifters, no more fae. And I'm like, yeah, give me Kunari and give me aliens. Give me, give me, show me what a naked Turian looks like. Show me. Yes. That's what we're getting at, is we want a naked Turian, I think. Because, like, I've, I've also read a lot of romances where if they do have aliens, it's always some kind of, like, kraken-looking monster. I'm like, I'm done with tentacle stuff, too. Like, come on, guys. Let's think outside the box. Turians! Or they look like a guy, but they're just blue, and they have a little ridge on their nose or something. You know, it's, like, very, no. sim it's very simplistic and safe. And yeah. I, you know, I, I've gotten, I know now that it's okay to go outside that boundary because people actually will be there for it and i had to get to that point when i realized how many people truly really like like romance garris and thane and, and joel and everything they really did and they really wanted to see it and they were there for it and it was different it wasn't another human it was something different and exciting and um when i realized that so many people were into that i was like okay you know what i'm going for it i'm just gonna go for it and i'm 100 not human at all and you know mm -hmm. there are complications they have to think about stuff and 
and I just really like the idea of the, of the whole exploration of it. And um, monster slash alien romances, um, even in novels, are becoming a lot more popular this past year or two. And so um, I, my agent was telling me, she said, I really do think that now is the time for this story because um, people are all about it and we're ravenous for it. Um, and then on top of it, it's adult um, stage fantasy, adult sci-fi fantasy with romance, which is almost almost unheard of in the book world right now. Um, really, there, if, if it's sci-fi, it's straight sci-fi. It's not fantasy. Or if it's if a lot of these young adult sci-fi, there's not a lot of full-blown. These people are in their 30s or way older, because I mean, let's be real, some of the aliens are going to be in their hundreds or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's not your adult, it's straightforward adult, they have adult problems, they have, you know, they have arguments that everything's real, and um, so I, I, I do hope, because it's it seems like now is the time, and I'm really ready to get a time so I can get it out as soon as possible, hopefully, but um, I'm excited, because um, I'm definitely, um, it is, if anybody loves Mass Effect, you will 100% be at home with my book, so... <laughs> I, I mean, look at how many people loved The Last of Us Episode 3. Like, that is a gay middle-aged man love story. Like, we want that. We don't want, like, I just graduated high school at my physical peak. Oh, look, super hot guy. No, like, anyone can write that love story. That's freaking easy. That's what I like about the monster love stories, too, is, like, you can't fall back on physical attraction to build the romance. That's what I love about the Garrus romance. That That's not how it started. It was trust and respect. Like, that is my favorite kind of love story, personally. And then the physical attraction came later. But I just that you have to have strong characters and personalities and attraction other than physical for those love stories to be believable. And I think that's good. Yeah, can't Agreed. wait to read it. That's, is that okay. the one that's coming out in March? Or that's a different one that you're talking about? No, the one that I, the one that's Mass Effect inspired is the one that I'm hoping to get traditionally published um, with my agent. So that one, no, the, the one coming out um, uh, on February 27th, practically March. Um, oh, I'm is, sorry. Uh, no, no, it's I thought it was March 27th for some reason. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it'll, um, by the time this airs, it will be out. Um, but yeah, it's a Love and Forge, um, the one with Hephaestus and Aphrodite, the cyberpunk fantasy with Greek mythology. That's what's going to be coming out. So that one, too, again, heavily, there's a lot, there's action comedy romance uh, cyberpunk reference there is a couple of cyberpunk references if you play the game in there too um but yeah lots of action and uh it's a, it's a good time where can the people find you online like what's your twitter handle where can if anybody wants to read your stuff where's the best way to find them so at twitter it's just carly spade i'm also on instagram and tiktok as author carly spade i'm also on facebook i have a readers group called aces of spade i do a lot of special exclusive things for anybody in there because it's a private group um and as far as where you can find my books i do have all of mine on kindle unlimited so if you give a subscription you can read them for free through there um i do have them on amazon paperback uh is available through amazon book depository some of them are on barnes and noble online some of them you'll find in physical stores throughout the country i have no idea where they are but they're there <laughs> um and and pretty much any online book retailer you can get the, the paperbacks from and hardback of this one that will be out of london forge is also available um it's the only one i've had so far in hardback but it's really pretty <laughs> if you want it on hardback and i also have my entire mythos series and of love and forge will be too when it comes out on audiobooks through audible um so there are all kinds of formats for you exciting that's how i read your books with kindle unlimited <laughs> i can't wait for the mass effect one too i hope that gets released sometime this year that'd be exciting yeah i hope I'm, the, the first step is to actually get it finished and give it to my agent but you know <laughs> getting there i'm getting there i'm trying to make it as good as possible <laughs> mm-hmm must respect the process i i definitely have patience because i am a patrick rothfuss fan so i can wait forever if need be yeah crossing fingers i know there's been a lot of editors that i've seen talking from big group like tor and orbit are really big um sci-fi book companies and uh, they've definitely been talking about wanting to see more adult sci-fi come through their end so i'm really crossing my fingers that when we put it out there it gets picked up quickly so it can get out faster so we'll see. Cross your fingers because I really want people to read it. And I think it's going to be great. Well, our listeners are definitely romance lovers. And I'd be surprised if they don't read romance novels as often as we do. So I'm sure they will want to read it. I know I do. Thank you so much for coming today, Carly. We really enjoyed talking with you. Likewise. Really awesome to talk to an author for the first time. <laughs>
Yeah, it's, and I'm I'm a I'm a geek like anybody else. So I I love to to fangirl and everything, just the same as everyone else. But um, but yeah, I I love talking with you guys. It's always fun to talk with other um ladies who are into video games too. So it's always nice. <laughs> Nerd girls unite. Yes. <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel with my co-host Toasty and, of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and you can find us by typing out the entire freaking words of patreon.com slash two girls one ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Wednesdays and Fridays, 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time, or watch the YouTube video a few days after the stream. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays, because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry, and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.